I'm going to turn your attention to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And uh, it is wonderful. Look up there. It looks like an army up there, IBC. I can't see all your faces. If I move back just a little bit. There you are. You look ugly behind those masks. I'm sorry. Or with those masks. I bet you look a lot better without them. It's a beautiful group of kids. Thank God for their ministries and thank God for this church. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 1. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. He was dealing with a little principle here. And he was dealing with it boldly that those that would think he operated in what he was doing in the flesh. And now we begin the next three verses where I want to focus your attention. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I've given my lesson tonight and I, I'm thankful for what God is doing in this day. Uh, and I want to talk to you about this thought. Our weapons are mighty. We're not mistaken. I wasn't here uh, Sunday as we were traveling, but my wife texted me right after service as she was here and said, man, something's just happening. I may believe something is happening. I know that you've been thinking. I know, I know exactly what you're thinking. You've been watching the news lately and the darkness and the violence and the hatred from every direction. The, the seem, it's, it seems like everything is breaking down of every righteous thing. And I know what you've been thinking. If you watch that too long, you're thinking, we are living in victorious days. Listening to the analysts and the politicians and the educators and the media and the Hollywood elite and the entertainers and the superstar athletes of our days. And you've been telling yourself, we're in our glorious days. Oh, I'm at the right place. All right. Nobody got real excited when I talked about the news. But the Bible says our weapons are mighty. We are living in victorious days. We are living in revival days. The prediction for 2020 that I heard, my wife shared with me right before church, she saw on some well-documented place called Facebook, said that the Bermuda Triangle in 2020 is going to start roaming around the earth like a Roomba robot vacuum. That's the next prediction. And it wouldn't surprise you at this point. And in all of this, the Bible says our weapons are. And it speaks to then, I, I made those uh, kind of sarcastic remarks just a few minutes ago about the news and all that. Because I don't even have to tell you about the strongholds that are happening in our society. The Bible says 
The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And the strongholds of 20 and 20 were not out of God's sight when this scripture was written. The strongholds of what you're seeing right now are the things that God had this portion of scripture written for. Our weapons are mighty to the pulling down of Strongholds are basically defined in Scripture even as fortresses or strong fortifications. These strongholds are heavily defended in every society and every age. Governments have fortified these walls. And in the supernatural or the spiritual realm, the, the prince of this world has made ready his, for, uh, his fortresses. They're built and reinforced with deception. They're built concerning sin. And deception concerning sin. Their deception against God's very nature, against his love, his judgment, his grace, his mercy. They're built against his demand for holiness. Somebody say amen. The spiritual deceptions that you and I are facing are keeping men bound and chained from freedom. Strongholds developed through pride, self-centeredness, intoxication of man's opinion. Fortresses of lust, of greed, of pleasure. Men entrapped in these fortresses. They fall prey to lies, one lie after another. And the Bible says our weapon, our weapons are mighty to the pulling down of these strongholds. If ever vain confidence in the flesh has had its stronghold in our society, vain confidence has got a stronghold in our society. Every man and every woman believe him when they speak that what they're saying and what they know is going to propel them further out of what they've dug themselves into. Mixed up, nobody trusting God, but everybody's got it figured out already what man needs to do. And here we are, and everyone here is facing a stronghold. Whether it's in your own life or whether it's in someone that you are trying to reach. Everyone in this place... If I were to ask and go around the room, there are real strongholds in this place. There's things that we are walking through. The Bible says it this way. We are walking through them in the flesh. You are walking through your stronghold. I am walking through my stronghold in the flesh. Whatever I'm facing that I want to see be released in somebody's life, I'm walking through it in the flesh. That means... Worry is where my flesh likes to spend thinking about it. I don't know. That's probably not you. You're so spiritual. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You walk through it in the flesh. Anybody ever lose sleep over a stronghold that you're praying for in somebody's life? Anybody ever been to the point where you thought, I need a deliverance in my own mind for what they're going through because I just... Need to know that, God, you're going to deliver them from this stronghold. Our weapons are mighty to the pulling down. These weapons of the Spirit. He said, so though we walk in the flesh, although we're walking in the flesh, we don't war in the flesh. There's a difference. You're going to wake up tomorrow and walk through the same thing in the flesh. But you don't have to walk in the your own flesh or in your own power. You don't have to war against it. Though you walk in the flesh, you are commanded to war in the spirit. 
And these mighty weapons we have, these weapons of spirit, of prayer, of fasting, of faith, they're not mediocre weapons. They're mighty weapons. They're not given just to make it through one more day and think I'll never really get over this or this will never stop. But they're given us to give us might over the strongholds that are coming against us. I, I saw something interesting to me uh, recently as I was traveling. I woke up one morning preaching. I don't know when it was. I was supposed to preach and I was in a hotel. And I went down to get breakfast at, at an early hour before I would leave for the church. And as I was sitting there, the TVs were on and I noticed and it hit me that on Sunday morning is the premiere morning of when they interview all uh, these news programs, meet the press and things like this. Now, I've never really paid attention to this because I guess we just got up and went to church every Sunday. We didn't really watch these things or listen to these things or count on these things like some families every Sunday morning get up and figure out what's going to be on, who's going to be on. And some of the most uh, distinguished guests are on Sunday morning uh, of, uh, uh, on a particular show. That's when they would come out and talk about all the things that have gone on that week. And I, it started hitting me as I was sitting there watching it. I said, I've grown up not listening to these things because we had something else we trusted in. It didn't matter what they were saying on Sunday morning. We went to church and had the weapon of the word. Didn't matter what the president said. It didn't matter what the senator said. We had a weapon we were faithful to. It was called Sunday morning word. And so whatever we were facing, we went to church and said, I'm going to let the weapon that is mighty. I don't, I don't know what they've got figured out. And I, I started sitting there listening. Man, everybody had an answer on Sunday morning, meet the press or whatever those shows are. And I thought, my God, thank goodness I've never sat here. Sunday morning after Sunday morning and vain confidence of what we could figure out. But I went to the house of God and the weapon of the word was mighty in my life and strongholds came down. Somebody ought to thank God for the weapon of the word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it can cut open the spiritual hearts of men and women today. And we would see something stealing all the passion, all the joy, the morality, the spirituality. That's why you need your eyes opened every time you come to church. Because there is a weapon, the sword of the spirit. And our weapon is mighty. God will show you on Wednesday night and the things that are happening. And I've not been for all of them, but the series that Pastor Carson just got through. And believing that God is going to reveal himself to this church. And believing that revival is going to come. Somebody ought to say, we've got a weapon. So if that weapon is there, then I challenge you. And I know you would challenge me that there is a promised harvest for our families. Whatever stronghold is there, our weapons are mighty to the pulling down of that stronghold. For our families, for our individual life, whatever you're facing, there is a weapon that is mighty to you breaking free and being delivered from that thing that has held you in bondage. We come tonight just to remind ourselves for a moment, and then I'm going to take you a different direction. But we've come to remind ourselves that there are mighty weapons given to us. So when we come together, we ought to praise him for those mighty weapons. 
We praise him for his goodness, for his mercy. But when you look straight on in the flesh and you walk into church and you say, you know what, I'm facing something. I've been walking in the flesh in it. But Lord, I've not come to walk in the flesh in it today. I've come to war in the spirit that I have a weapon of praise. I have a weapon that I could speak life or death in my tongue, so I'm going to speak life. I'm going to lift you up. I have a weapon. There's a weapon for my life. There's something Shamgar in Judges chapter 3. Now, if I could, I'll just illustrate for the next little while, maybe through the Old Testament, this New Testament principle. Shamgar, the Bible says, after him in Judges 3 and 31, was Shamgar the son of Anath, which slew the Philistines 600 men with an ox goat. That's all he had. His weapon was an ox goat. They tell me an ox goat is just about 8 feet long, about six feet, 6 inches in diameter. And so maybe would fit like that in your hand. And on one side, it's got an iron paddle for getting the mud off or the clay off, that which st- gets stuck on the, on the plow. And that the other part is a prong, a sharp prong that would move the cattle if they got lazy or, or would prod them along. And the enemy probably had a mighty or, ornate weaponry of warfare. These were the Philistines. And yet the weapon of his day was a weapon and an instrument of labor. It was just believed to have one purpose in its mind, that was, or two, it was to move that cattle along, move that ox along, and it was to get the mud off of the plow. And the enemy would begin to look at the man of God, the woman of God, and say, what is your weapon among so many that have great ornate weaponry, swords, perhaps shields, what have you got? And you just got to look back and say, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. And so by it, he slew 600 men with an ox goat. And he delivered Israel. Could I tell you, don't let the enemy put in doubt in your mind about the instrument that is in your hand. The instrument of prayer that you've been using over and over again. Don't let the enemy put any doubt concerning your labor in the kingdom. For that labor... That weapon of your labor is mighty in the hands of the Almighty God. If you're laboring in the kingdom, you're teaching and you're praying and you're serving, don't let the enemy distract you. Your weapon may look simple to somebody. Well, I just bring them in and I teach them Bible study and I begin to pray for them that God will turn their life around. I'm there for them. I don't got any money I could put on some big program, but I'm just laboring in the kingdom. Your weapon is to the pulling down of it's going to do it I mean what else are we going to do we're going to raise money and try and outdo Hollywood we're going to try and get more political than the politicians no we're going to pray and we're going to labor and all of a sudden we're going to pick up that ox goat and slay something and what's been holding somebody is going to be set free at an altar because the weapons of our warfare. Somebody ought to believe what I'm telling you right now. Gideon, let me, let me just say it this way. Ephesians chapter 6, I won't read all of it, but we, maybe I will. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Therefore, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not worn in the flesh, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Why? Because our weapons are mighty. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with the truth. Your loins and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. If you've never really picked up the shield of faith. It is a mighty weapon. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, pick up that shield and acknowledge him. And that weapon will deflect every dart, everything that comes against you. It is a mighty weapon. It's not something to be scoffed at when you say, you know what? I know it doesn't look like it, but my family's coming back to church. There is going to be a revival where it seems dark. Our weapons are mighty. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Our weapons are mighty. So God, give us strength. To believe for our harvest. We were at a restaurant. My daughter was very little. She's very cute. She still got away at 13. Of making dad give her something that he shouldn't give her. And we were at a restaurant, Olive Garden. And if you've ever been to Olive Garden, you know what I'm getting ready to tell you. At the end, they give you the best little thing called a Andy's mint. And my daughter, just little, didn't know any better. She looked at the waitress and said, I love these. They, she said, would you like some Andy's mint? She says, I love Andy's mints. Just little thing, you know. Her little blonde hair, blue eyes beaming. She said, I wish I had a whole bag of them. And her mom and I were thinking, yeah, and we don't. But her little faith moved mountains. And before I knew it, here came back this waitress, as sweet as can be. And she found herself the biggest brown paper sack she could find. And she had loaded that thing to the hilt with Andy Smith's. And we've never met her again since. But if we did, she's a gem of a lady. Because my daughter walked out of there with a harvest. She walked out of there on cloud nine. She walked out of there believing she could get anything she wanted from then on. I wish somebody would hear me right now. Our weapons are mighty. What stronghold are you facing that you don't believe God can bring down? Pick up your weapon. Pray a little stronger. I'm not telling you that you can make anything happen by praying stronger. I'm telling you, you pray fervently and the righteous prayer of a fervent man availeth. Our weapons are. There's another story. Let me just share it with you real quick. And then I got to preach to you what I, or teach to you what I want, what the Lord dealt with me this morning. I'm not even there yet, but I'm on the timer. Don't you worry. 
And after him was Shammah in 2 Samuel 23, verse 11, the son of Agi the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered together in a troop against him. And the big deal here was there was a piece of ground full of lentils. And everybody else wanted the lentils. All the people of Israel wanted the harvest. But when the Philistines came, they got out of there. They fled from the Philistines. There was a stronghold they had not been able to break. That was the Philistine stronghold in that day, in that particular circumstance. And they had just been coming back and taking whatever fields they wanted. And underneath the surface, it was just like there was something holding them back. But this man, the Bible says in verse 12, he stood in the midst of the ground. And he defended it. Because he said, I want this harvest. And they want it too, but they're not willing to do what I'm about ready to do. I'm about ready to tell you my weapon is mightier than your weapon. So I'm not leaving this field. And the Bible says he defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Why? Because our weapons are mighty. So stand in that field of your family. Stand in there for somebody you're praying for. Stand in there for somebody that needs deliverance. Say, you won't move me. Why? Because I want this field. And I know they want it too, but they don't know how to stand here right now. But my weapon is mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Gideon, he divided 300 men into three companies. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers. And lamps within the pitchers. And if ever we had the strangest weapons to go to war. We are looking at weapons that do not work in any war that I've ever read of in the modern century. They don't work really in times unless there is a God involved. And so the enemy puts a doubt in your mind. said those instruments are not going to work. And you need to say, yeah, they may not look like they work to you. But my God's in them. So I'm going to pick them up. I'm going to walk forward with these particular weapons. I'm going to be faithful. What does faithfulness do? Well, it does something. And you know we don't have time to talk about every weapon that we have in the spirit. But you need to pick up every weapon. And say, I'm going to walk in this weapon like I've never walked before. Because this weapon in the hand of God is mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So now i got to read you the next verse. But here's, here's what I really want to impress upon our hearts today. We, we read that our, mighty, our weapons are mighty, but 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, gives us a principle we've got to understand. If our weapons are to be mighty, there is a deeper principle here that's got to be grabbed hold of. This epistle was written, of course, by Paul to a church that needed some things. And if you read the history of what Corinth was, it will discourage you. And it discouraged Paul for a great deal of time. But he begins to write this letter. I don't know exactly at what period and what time. But he begins to write this letter. And he begins to tell them. And in this letter, he comes to chapter number 10, verse 5. And he says, there are strongholds. And there's even some in that church that need to come down. But our weapons are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. But he gives them another principle. And that is this. That you must cast down every imagination. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And here's what we, you and I, you and I right here, we got to grab hold of if we want our weapons to be mighty. You ready? That the war without, 
The war that we want to see happen in this world is divinely appointed to be dependent upon the war within. If I were to demonstrate for you, I won't ask you to demonstrate for me, how I want to be able to walk through this earth. I want to be able to walk through this earth like this. Doubt, you're out of here. Unbelief, casting down. Our weapons are mighty. How many would be with me? I can ask you on the next part. I'd like to walk around and say, you know what? Bitterness, be gone. Unforgiveness in your life, get it out. Be free. That's not the war. The war is right here. Come at me with about my doubt and I'll say, hold on just a minute. I got a good reason to doubt this. I'll cast out your doubt. Well, don't you come messing with my doubt. Well, I ain't in the right place. I thought I was going to preach to somebody who. Don't mess with my unbelief. Don't mess with my bitterness. But the weapon of our warfare is dependent upon not only the war without, but it begins in the war within. If I want to see the strongholds come down, I got to get right in here and say, doubt, you're out of here. It's going to break me a little bit, but you're gone. Bitterness, offense, whatever it is, you ain't staying here. I'm casting down every imagination. The word imagination really just means reasoning. Every reason that I got that it shouldn't happen, you're not going to stay here. I'm casting you down. I'm not bringing you home to my house. I know I'm walking in the flesh, but I'm not worn in the flesh. So I must bring everything into submission in my life. Cast down every spirit of pride. Cast down every spirit that would hold me back. Cast down everything. Bring it into captivity. For if I want the weapon to be powerful to the strongholds of this world, it's got to first be strong and mighty in my own life. When is it going to break forth like you never really imagined? I don't know, but I know this, you got to cast it down inside until you see it outside. I, met, I was telling you about Gideon's weapons. The, the, the Lord said unto Gideon, verse 2, there's too many people with you. I can't give the Midianites into your hands like this. Lest Israel vaunt themselves up against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. He said, you ain't going to win the war without till we win the war within. So he said, everybody, tell everyone who's afraid, go home. We're going to win that war first. I'm not going to get deep into what uh, uh, the lapping of the water. I'm not going to tell you, but he went right into that fear and said, anybody who's afraid, tell them, go home. We ain't going to win the, way your, the war your way. We're going to win the war inside. And when we win the, win the war inside, excuse me, we're going to get God the glory. Because God ain't going to get the glory if it's done your way in the flesh. 
But if you can cast down every reason you got why it shouldn't happen, if you can cast down every reason of how it should happen in a different way, if you can tell God what he should have done and how he should do it, and you can just turn it over to him and say, God, do it however you want. God says, it's my war now. Now I'm going to give you some weapons that you never thought would have worked. And I want you to go out there and you're going to slay that enemy. I wish I could cast down for you what you need to be cast down. But the Bible teaches us it's individually casting down every imagination and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And God will not get glory. And he will not, I should say it this way, give the victory if he will not get the glory. The fear got to be cast down. Mm. There's still too many. There's still too many. I know we've got those afraid, but this ain't right. We're going to remove some more. And we're going to get it down to 300 men that lapped. And I'll deliver you by them. And let all the other people go under their own place. Let me move very quickly. Resistance is going to be the condition of your prevailing power. You're going to have to resist that imagination. You're going to have to resist that temptation. You're going to have to submit unto God and then resist the devil and he will flee. You're going to have to submit in prayer, resisting in prayer. You're going to have to submit in submission, resist in submission. You're going to have to resist that temptation and become holy. You're going to have to resist that that would be unrighteous and become righteous. Now, I'm talking to those who want your weapons to be mighty. You're going to have to resist that lack of faith, that lack of worship. You're going to have to resist that unthankfulness. You're going to have to resist that complaining spirit. You're going to have to resist that and say, I'm going to cast you down. Because if I can get you out, I may walk out of here with a pitcher. I may walk out of here with a torch. I may walk out of here with a sword and nobody knows what I'm doing. But that weapon will be mighty if I win the war here. It'll tear down a stronghold there. Leading my heart to obedience. Captivity, he called it. It's a great word. I don't know that I comprehend it yet, but Paul's journey from being in God or becoming what he was in God, he used these strange words to me. I, I hope I can understand it someday. I really do. He, he used this, the, this progression of, of being a follower and then a disciple. And he ended up his life, as it were, saying, I am a prisoner who uses the word prisoner he said when you get to the end of my life you get to the end of my understanding who I am I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ that's stunning to me because I like God to work in his way and in my way sometimes I don't want to be a prisoner to his way Ain't nobody real. God, you can do it through your way, but you could also do it through my way and it'd be okay. Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. And Saul's journey to Paul, and then his ending up journey is he calls himself a prisoner. Leading my heart to obedience in captivity 
over and over again. David probably illustrated this when he said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit with me. I'm not going to let the devil have a stronghold in my life. Whatever it is that you're facing, the stronghold that you want to see come down will be one in the war within first. If you walk through the National Forest in Eastern Oregon, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it, the Malhar, you would be hard-pressed to notice it, but there is the largest, the largest, as it is called, fungus. And not only that, it is to be estimated as the largest living organism in all of the world. Living body. It covers 200, or 2,200 acres. It's the largest one we've ever found. It's known also as the honey mushroom. And it started from a single spore, too small to see with a microscope, and has been weaving its black shoestring filaments through the forest for hundreds of years. And it kills trees as it goes. If you dig in and when they begin to research, they found it. It covers an area as big as 1,665 football fields. It's all one living thing. And when they begin to dig, you couldn't see it. If you just walked through the forest, you could not see it. But they begin to pick up samples throughout the forest at different spots, the scientists did. Wherever they picked up those, those, uh, those, those things, the, the, the mushroom, and they would dig down in, they would find that it had the exact same identity as where they were finding it a far distance off. And all that would ever come to the top of the surface is these golden mushrooms called honey mushrooms. You see them every once in a while when it rains in the fall. But underneath that, if you were to able to dig, we can't, they can't even estimate the weight of what is down there, all living together. And it started just very small. And it goes up into a tree. And when it gets up into a tree, it takes the water so that the tree can't absorb the water. And it begins to, it's a, if you, you cut the tree in half, you would find it's a little dry white substance that just keeps sucking the water out of it. And therefore, the tree begins to die. And you cannot see it from the ground if you walk through, but through an, a satellite or an aerial photo. I don't know if that's how God designed things, but from his view, he can see what is, you could see by the trees. You could see the existence of it in that forest. You can't see it if you're walking through it, but it can be seen from an aerial photo, and that's how they were able to find it. And it is such the case with what is implemented through deceit and strongholds that are put in our life. That if you allow it to pop up one place, it don't look that bad. And sometimes it looks a little like, man, that's just self-justification. I got a reason to doubt like I'm doubting. I got a reason to act like I'm acting. I got a little, I got a little something of why I can be the way I am right now. And all the while, it's so deep and so heavy underneath there if you allow it. And it's just growing and growing and growing. And the war without is not going to come to pass until the war within and that thing that is growing underneath the surface that God can see from his heavenly view and says, listen, you ready? You want your weapon to be mighty? Cast down every stronghold and every imagination. Oh, I know you've reasoned out why you can hold on to that one, but get rid of it because it may pop up and look pretty for a moment, but it's killing some things that need to be alive in your life. And David, having the weaponry of all the five smooth stones that we could preach about till the Lord comes. The weaponry of all weaponry. You come to me with sword and shield. I come to you in the name of the Lord. If David taught us anything, he taught us his strength was not 
in his physical weaponry. He taught it this way. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Because if you can ever get in here, I can take a small stone and defeat anything that comes to pass. You want to know the problem? The problem is not just Goliath. The problem is Saul. You only got to go against what Goliath is saying against you. You got to go against Saul is trying to bring upon you. And if he's trying to put something on you that doesn't work, and his weaponry is an ornate type of thing that works in every other circumstance, but it don't work with the child of God. So you got to say, you know what? Search me, O God. I'm just about done. Know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked Perverse, imagination, stronghold, high thing that exalts itself against you. And if I want to see the stronghold come, then search me, God. And God, if you find it, you give me the strength. And I'll beat that thing with your help. Because your weapons are mighty. Now, this ain't easy. I got home late Sunday night. My flight was delayed in Baltimore. My son was with me, and we were stuck there for a little while. Got home late. My wife so graciously, when we woke up, I take these kids to school a lot early. So Monday morning came, and Monday morning was there, and she, the alarm went off, and she so wonderfully and beautifully said to me, I know you got in late, and if, if you're not feeling well just because that or... If you just want to go back to bed, I'll take the kids. Man, she's so sweet. So I got up. And I went and I started getting ready. And as I started getting ready, I thought, I'm going to try this. So I brushed my teeth and I walked back in and I said, kind of mumbled. I'd like to go back to bed. It's kind of dim. I didn't want to wake her. I didn't turn on the lights. She didn't stir. Got my hair done, came back out. Thought we'll try this again. Yeah, I'd really like to go back to bed. That's what she said. If I had said, I want to go back to bed, she said she'd take him, Brother Parkins. I tried it a couple more times, a little louder, but a whisper, you know, trying to. About the third time, I heard a little snicker. <laughs> Later that day, we were walking as we do sometimes and just talking about things. I said, hey, what happened this morning? I said, you told me that if I just said I wanted to go back to bed, you, you, you'd take the kids. She said, well, I really didn't think you made it very clear. You're going to have to be more direct with what you say. I laughed. She laughed. I fear most of us deal with this at some point. God, I want those strongholds to come down. And if, if so, search in me. If there be any wicked way. Go ahead. If you're really going to let God take it out of you, you have to get in a couple places Pretty often say, God, 
whatever this is, whatever I'm dealing with, if there's anything wicked in me, get it out. I'm going to be a little more direct, God. I may not like it. And in fact, I may feel offended sometimes by it. And I think it's not even right that you would do it and ask me to get it out when I know there's some others that are not getting it out. But if you want it, and you want your weapons to be mighty, you just better get direct with God and say, if it's in here, get it out. Cast it down. Break it up. Because I want my weapons to be mighty to the pulling down of every stronghold. I know somebody's hearing me right now. you got to be clear about this. So I must, I must. I'm so honored just to speak to you for a moment. I thank God for what he's doing. I know I'm speaking to the right group right now. God is leading you and directing you. and God is doing amazing things. and You're following the voice of God. So I want to give you one last little thing because I think you would ask this question and I would ask this question. Preacher, the whole thing really, let me go back to verse number five because you got to get this last word and I didn't have time. Bringing every cap into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Your weapons are powerful in obedience, nothing else. There's no talent, young person up there, that will give your weapons power like obedience. There's nothing that will, will strengthen your ministry like bringing down your own pride into obedience with the word of God. There's nothing that will anoint you like saying, I'm going to check myself and bring my entire being into obedience of everything that word says. But preacher... I got a question for you. What about my years of disobedience? Surely they have nullified the mightiness or might of my weapons. Now I've experienced this personally in talking with people as I've counseled and in my years of ministry that this is a deep and dark thing. What about the moments that I should have had faith, that I didn't have faith. Already concerning this situation I'm going with right now, I should have believed, but I've doubted. I should have let go of this offense a long time ago, but I haven't. And I've been disobedient to the word of God. I've not been whatever it is. I could go on and on. What God do I do, and surely, preacher, my weapons will be nullified. They won't be as mighty as if I had, it's almost as if I have a scale up here, and I, I looked, tried to find one today, uh, and, and the scale is tipped with disobedience. How many know when you let disobedience, it's going to weight you down, and there's going to be a lack of power? How do I get that? How do I revenge when I should have had faith. How do I turn it around? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Because I don't have an answer. But the word does. You ready? I didn't read it before because I wanted to save this for you. And having 
in readiness to revenge to revenge some of the disobedience. Some of the times you should have had more faith. Some of the times you could have worshipped and not complained. I know I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to me. You, you don't complain. You're like my teenage junior high children. They never complain about anything. They're just perfect. I stopped by D.C. and uh, gave my son the chance Saturday morning to see all the monuments and all that. And we're walking by the monuments of people who died. He's, he's a good kid. Don't get this wrong. But we have to walk all this way? And I laughed and said, son, these people died so you can walk. You're going to walk this path and you're going to give them. <laughs> Get to the White House. Of course, he doesn't like any confrontation. And it was a mess. Strongholds were everywhere. Everybody on the side yelling at each other. Some other strange things I won't talk about. And I'm, I'm done. And I said, you're going to get up there and get a picture. He said, I don't want to go up there. I said, you're going up there. We come all this way. You're getting up there and you're getting a picture. And I'm going to send it to your mom. And we're going to laugh and we're going to love it. Nobody out here has ever complained. But if you have, when you should have been thankful, how do you get it back? You revenge all disobedience. And it doesn't nullify your weapon if you will learn to be obedient now. And when your obedience is fulfilled, sir, you should have raised him in church, but you didn't. How are you going to revenge that? Now, that's a real question. How are you going to get your weapon mighty? Well, sir, your weapon is still mighty to the pulling down of the strongholds that you even realize you had a part of doing. And you know how you're going to revenge it? In obedience. And what's going to tip the scale is obedience. And obedience. And where you thought you didn't have power and you'll never see that stronghold come down, you're going to be obedient. And you're going to keep winning that war win here. And when you start winning that war within here, that scale is going to start tipping. And that other thing's just going to become light and thrown off. And you're going to stand up at an altar and say, my weapons are mighty. Why? How did I get it back? I was obedient. I want it in here. And I feel a little strength to tell somebody, there's some strongholds coming down. Get obedient. Get obedient in the word. Get obedient. If it pricks you in the preaching of the pastor, get obedient. Don't you reason it out. Stand with me. Don't you reason it out. You cast that down. If it's said against what you're dealing with, you got every reason for it. I pray the Lord doesn't somehow talk to me tonight. Lord, I preach this to them. But if you got any wicked way in me, give me a couple days. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are praying that right now. Lord, oh God. If I did anything, if I said anything I shouldn't have said. Or, oh God. I'm telling you, you start winning that war within, and that ox goad, 
and that picture and that just daily prayer life starts looking like something that will knock hell straight back on its feet. Because our weapons are strong and mighty in God to the pulling down of every stronghold and every disobedience is revenge. We did not have time to look at that word, but it's going to tip the scale. And sir, ma'am, you're going to overcome what you did in disobedience if you will concentrate and put it in obedience. I spoke too long. Would you lift your hands right now? Come on, lift your voice. I want you to receive the word. There's something happening in the atmosphere. I feel it when I'm here. God's doing something mighty. There's some strongholds that are coming down. And there's more to come down in your family and in your life. I want you to receive the word right now. Come on, somebody. I want you to pray it. Search me, God. I'm leaving this place and get, get a hold of me, God. See if there be any wicked way in me. God, you've been leading this thing. You've been guiding me. You've been directing me, God. You've put some things back in me. But, God, I've had some imaginations that, God, I thought in my own. And I'm asking you to cast them down. I'm asking you to help me, God, by the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, just a moment longer. I won't hold you. I won't keep you. Come on, I want you to pray. I want you to pray that when you go home, that when you leave this week, that you go into Thursday, God, help me to cast something down. Help me to break down something, God, that's in my life that shouldn't be there. I want weapons to break down strongholds, God. I want to see the revival come. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. I don't have an answer for how you get over it and how you break it down. I just have that you can get over it through obedience. And pick up that weapon, young man, young lady. Whatever in your life you've looked back upon and wish hadn't. Wish you'd done it differently. All that. Just pick up obedience. And your weapons are mighty.